0: Nick, 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 Nick.
1: Nickelodeon. from Nickelodeon studios in Burbank California this is the Nickelodeon animation podcast Hi, guys, I'm your host, Hector Navarro. My guest today is a director, producer, writer, composer, voice actor, visual effects artist, animator, creator, astrophotographer, a literal Swiss Army man of talent who brought us one of the most beloved Nicktoons of all time, Jimmy Neutron Boy Genius. Along with Planet Sheen and the Jimmy Timmy Power Hour crossovers with the Fairly Odd Parents, Jimmy Neutron won kid and parent audiences over with its charm, humor, and creativity. And now we get to talk to the creator, Mr. John. John A. Davis.
0: So, you know, I'm, I'm from Dallas, and there yeah. it's all about tornadoes and hailstorms. Yeah. And, you know, of course, mm-hmm. now we have earthquakes there, too, because oh, of all really? the fracking. So. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> wow. In fact, there's more earthquakes there uh, Well, now California year year. can't brag
1: about anything. That's all we had on I everybody know. else was, was earthquakes. Yeah. And now Texas has it. Can you tell us about your first memory of animation?
0: Probably be the early Warner Brother cartoons. There was a show in Dallas called Cartoon Carnival They came on uh, uh, KTVT Channel 11 every day at noon, and uh, I would sit down with my, you know, uh, peanut butter and jelly sandwich and watch Cartoon Carnival, and they would show Three Stooges and they would show Warner Brother cartoons, <laughs> and I loved the Warner Brother cartoons and the Three Stooges, Three Stooges. But that was my first. Animated memory, and then yeah. the early Disney films. Uh, well, I say early. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, there were earlier ones than the, but uh, you know, things like the Jungle Book and stuff that I would see in the theater when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, early memories. But the, the ones that I really liked, I, I love the Warner Brother cartoon. In fact, uh, when I was in first grade, I saved up my money and bought a tape recorder. And I would tape the shows off the television and just listen to them over and over again, just yep. the audio. And the audio is so strong. The music and voice tracks are just so great mm-hmm. that you could just listen to it and enjoy it. As I got a little bit older, I got really into stop motion. Yeah. Uh, and I love Ray Harryhausen. Uh, I fell in love with his work and, and him as an auteur. Uh, he was sort of like an anomaly. I mean, you know, back in the day, there was people like Willis O'Brien and sort of one-man shows. And Ray Harryhausen was sort of unique because he was like a one-man special effects shop. Yeah. You know, I mean, he did everything himself. And uh, now it's, you know, legions of people yeah. buying computers. Uh, but yeah, his his films uh, uh, had a big impact on me. That's And great. Uh, I, I did a lot of experiments with stop motion uh, when I was young, uh, sort of emulating what I saw him do. You did with your action figures and stuff, right? Yeah, it always starts off with action figures, you know, <laughs> I'm not unique, lots of guys do this, I hear the same story over and over again. There was actually a claymation, I can't remember the name of it, it was a, it was a, it's called anima, animation, not celebration, but anyway, it was an animated festival mm-hmm. of shorts, and there was one particular short called Icarus, it's a clay animated piece. And I was watching this, and about halfway through watching it, the little light bulb went off in my head. I go, oh, I know what they're doing. Yeah. They're actually moving it and then taking one frame, and I kind of got it. It was before I got into the Harryhausen and really learned what stop motion was. And that's when I went home, and I found out my parents had this, you know, 8-millimeter... Uh, camera, and there was a single frame uh, shutter click on it, yeah. and that's when I commandeered my action figures and took off, and, <laughs> and you know, because back then, you know, expose the film, take it to Photomat, wait several days, get it yeah. back, you know, then view it, and then suddenly see the stuff comes to life, and it was magic, you wow. know, and that's what really got me hooked. Did you have a favorite action figure that you did uh, mo- stop motion with? <laughs> no, I didn't really have a lot of action figures, but I remember I had uh, a lot of dinosaurs, plastic dinosaurs, and for some reason, looking back on... I still have some of these films. Yeah. Know, <laughs> and uh, um, I transferred the video a few years ago, and I noticed there, there's a weird little orange uh, ape that keeps showing up. And I don't know where <laughs> it came from, a cereal box or something, but he's always popping in, in and out of these things. Must have been your favorite. I That's guess great. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, it's funny looking back at it and saying, how did I become the way I became? You know, What were the <laughs> events that led to this? And I yeah. think that even when I was a little kid, all the signs were there that, okay, makes sense. Like when I bought that tape recorder in first grade, I was telling you about, uh, there was a tape I found where I was doing all these radio shows where I was interviewing people, but all the people were me, and I would just <laughs> play different characters and stuff. And even at a young age, for some reason, I liked to put on a show. Uh, and so I think that I don't know where it started or it just imprinted upon birth or whatever. And initially, a lot of my uh, interest was technical. Like I liked to figure out how things work. Sure. Like how did they do stop motion? How did you do do a match shot or special effects? I was really into special effects, uh, miniature work. And then, over time, I grew that the biggest special effect was storytelling. (laughs) Yeah. That you could have the biggest effect on people through story. So then I kind of migrated more and more into story and writing and trying to learn how to tell an effective story.
1: That's great. The biggest and best special effect is storytelling. That's magic, too. That's (laughs) really cool. a special that I remember growing up, which was All of the Other Reindeer. What was your role on this? What did you do on it?
0: Uh, I was animation director on it. Animation director, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and uh, we did that with Matt Grannig and uh, Drew Barrymore. They were producers on it. That's right. Uh, it was an hour-long special. And at that point, uh, we've done some television. Actually, we've done quite a bit of television, yeah. uh, shorter uh, stuff. We did the Weird Al Yankovic show, a lot of the animation that was on that. Cool. Uh, we had done Santa vs. the Snowman, which is an ABC CG special that we yeah. did. So we we're making inroads into into TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this was the longest piece. It was an hour long. The thing that attracted me to it was, you know, A, my company needed something at yeah. the time. Uh, <laughs> but also, I was really interested in trying to do something in, in 3D uh, that did not look like the normal 3D stuff. Yeah. Because you see the same kind of stuff over and over and over again. There's like a, you know the Pixar's and the DreamWorks. They they have mm-hmm. a certain look and they you know riff on it a bit. Mm-hmm. But you're still it still looks like the same type of world. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with uh, Olive, you could explore a different kind of world. You know, it's more graphic. It's flat, but it's also you know 3D uh, environment. I love that. Uh, yeah. And it, it's just so many different looks you can explore with CG that remain untouched. And yeah. that was one chance to do something that looked different.
1: Absolutely. What were some of the challenges trying in trying to get that sort of 2D in a 3D world look to work?
0: In, in keeping, you know, really, really true to the book that right. Otto did, uh, which is really fun to try to emulate that, kind of mimic that look in a 3D space. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that you had to do is like okay, when a character would turn, since the characters are flat, they can't physically rotate. Yeah. So we come up with all these little gags to have them turn. So we have like snap to a different character. So. Essentially, you know, in, in normal 3D, you build a character once, and then you can just animate away. But in what we did with Olive, we had to build a series of characters, a character built in profile looking right, looking left, three quarter, but they're all flats. And then we would pop or morph from one to the other. Uh, and so it was... We had to jump through some hoops to do what would normally be very easy to do Mm -hmm. uh, in a quote normal 3D world. But then that became part of the fun, you know, how do you figure out how to do that and keep everything flat and looking, you know, true to j Otto's style.
1: Tell us a little bit about the original idea for Johnny Quasar, Jimmy Neutron.
0: It started off as a short film that I wrote, and originally I was going to do it live-action. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was called uh, Runaway Rocket Boy. And I thought, okay, that'd be really cool to shoot it live, use miniatures and effects and match yeah. shots, all the things I was really into. But uh, And I actually tried to get a grant to do it, because I knew it was going to take some money to do. I was smart enough by then to know that, <laughs> hey, it takes money to do these things. Uh, and so I, I uh, went out and tried to get grants, but I re- quickly realized that it was very difficult to get a grant for a film that was purely entertainment. It, it wasn't educational, didn't help anyone, right. <laughs> you know, it was, so it wasn't going to happen. So I kind of took the idea and shelved it, and then years later, during a move, I kind of rediscovered... Uh, the uh the script that i written yeah and at about that same time we had just started to do uh, cg mm-hmm. uh at my company dna uh, mm-hmm. we, we got the uh some early amiga systems running light wave uh for a couple of projects we were doing cool and i kind of went hey wait a second you know what if i did this instead of live action do it all cg mm-hmm. i can actually build the rocket i could build goddard i could do all this stuff. And uh, so, I, it kind of started as a proof of concept, like, could yeah. I build it? So, uh, Keith Alcorn, my, my partner DNA, and, and uh, Paul Clearhout, who worked with us, uh, designed the characters, and mm-hmm. I set about modeling them in, in Lightwave. And I remember modeling the rocket, this was probably 94 or so, uh, and got really excited by the way it looked. Eventually, did this little short film, you know, we, we built Jimmy, we built, uh, you know, Goddard, built the rocket. And it was about a 40 second piece, and we entered it in a festival at, uh, during Seagraph in, yep. in '95 and got written up in some magazines, won an award, and then that's when the ball started rolling and so attention started being put on the, that's so uh, cool. the property. The name uh, was originally was Johnny Quasar for the character <laughs> uh, because my name's John. Sure. And when I was a kid, people called me Johnny. Yeah. And uh, I remember I was working, I used to work in some, uh, summers for my dad in a survey party, you know, yeah. working outside in construction and everything. And the guys used to make fun of me, and they would call me uh, Johnny Quasar, you know, space cadet, you know, kind of. <laughs> and uh, uh, I thought Johnny Quasar—that's kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so I kind of grabbed that and used it, and then uh, uh, later uh you know legal department kinda of weighed in saying, well, there's a Captain Quasar video game and a Johnny Quest and uh, yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe some, think of something else. So I remember my wife and I took the dog for a walk around the block and the whole time I had to go I had to come up with a new name. So I was like going, okay, Johnny Neutron, Johnny Johnny Proton, Jimmy you know
1: just, <laughs> Yeah. It makes <laughs> settled on Jimmy Neutron. What a great exercise in letting you think is to go take your dog for a walk. Yeah. It's a fantastic well, place to think. Uh walks. Showers. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is the theme song, at SIGGRAPH, you met Steve Odekirk, mm-hmm. and he had a company, O Entertainment.
0: Yeah, actually, we didn't meet at SIGGRAPH. Uh, we didn't meet for several weeks. We just talked on the phone. During Seagraph in uh, '95, we, we entered this uh, this short film. This like forty seconds long. Yeah, uh, this is basically it's Jimmy and Goddard and, and Jimmy's rope, uh, his rocket. They fly yeah. up to the camera. Jimmy introduces himself, uh, dodges an asteroid, flies away. That's pretty yeah. much it. Runaway uh, Rocket Boy. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> that, that was really quick. Uh, but it showed you kind of the look. It showed you what we were going after. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was some early character stuff and in, in, in CG that there wasn't a whole lot at the time. Right. So it's kind of unique. Uh, anyway, it. it got uh, written up in um, New Techniques magazine, or the New Tech magazine, and uh, Oda Kirk was a fan, he was into 3D and Lightwave in in particular, and and saw that and wanted to see a copy. And so he cold called us out of the blue, and I sent him a, a copy of the video, and he was excited about it, and and uh, called back and said, "This is great. Do you have anything else?" Uh, yes, uh, I, we had <laughs> we had been developing it as a series pitch, so I'd created a whole show bible. Yeah, it had stories, it had the pilot, great, it had the whole pilot storyboarded, and it, it was all there. So we sent that to him, and he got excited still. And uh, he said, "Well, this is who I am. This is what I do. You know, I directed Days Ventura, blah yeah. blah blah, <laughs> uh, and I'd love to partner this with you guys. Uh, and I think I can help you get it set up." And Keith, my partner, and I looked at each other and went, "Okay, yeah," you know, because we were these like these knuckleheads in Dallas, so we didn't know uh, any of the landscape out here. Sure. Uh, so I said, "Makes sense." All right. So we uh, we partnered uh, with Steve on it.
1: Can't stop our forward momentum. Power cells are responding. Oh, oh, Jimmy, can I say brace for impact? Sure. That. Let's just ask at what point, and where did the decision come from to go, let's make a feature, let's do this?
0: Yeah, so that was really interesting. It was a series pitch, we pitched it as a series. Mm-hmm. Uh, once we, uh, and I remember pitching it to uh, Albie Hecht at the time, and uh, he loved it. And uh, I thought, oh boy, we're on our way, here we go. <laughs> and this was 95, I guess 95, but it took years before we actually got a Greenlit pilot. Uh, because, you know, then I learned what happens when he gets into contracts and legality <laughs> and all this stuff. And uh, he kept assuring, no, 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 we're still, we're, this is going to happen. Just hang in there. <laughs> so, you know, we pitched in 95. We actually got the green light to do the uh, pilot in 98, I think it was. Wow. So three years. And then, we so we did the pilot. The pilot was, uh, I think it was 15 minutes or mm-hmm. 20 minutes, something like that. But it was the 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 runaway rocket boy script, mm-hmm. uh, uh, basically. I embellished it with with you know now he's. Running away from home in his rocket, and uh, encounters this invading <laughs> alien armada. Winds up defeating them, flying back home before his parents really you know miss him, and then he yeah. was right outside in the bushes the whole time. So that was kind <laughs> of the gist of it. But it was all CG. It was all uh, we made it as cinematic as possible. Cool. Uh, and um, once we sent that up the flagpole, that's when things changed. They, Alby, uh, everybody at Nickelodeon just flipped out on it. Wow. They all flew to Dallas and said. This is amazing. We love this. How did you do this? Yeah. Uh, we, we definitely want a TV series, but we also want a feature film.
1: Wow. <laughs> yeah. So. What was your reaction?
0: Yeah, we were just, we were astounded, uh, of <laughs> course, because. Uh, we'd waited so long right. you know, and then thinking, okay, well, maybe we'll get I like know. a, uh, maybe they'll they'll spring for six episodes or something. Yeah. Instead, it was like instant Everything. franchise. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so, but then, then we started going back and forth on it thing, okay, uh, I said, well, purely from a production standpoint, mm-hmm. it would make great sense to do the feature film first because you could build your whole digital backlot at feature quality, yes. tons of assets that yes. we can use on the series. And they got that. They said, okay, we understand that. But we're used to actually growing an audience with our network sure. and then doing a film, like they've done with uh, Rugrats and so forth.
1: Absolutely. So you kind of did both. Like, yeah. I remember the feature coming out, but before the movie was released, Nickelodeon aired shorts that sort right. of introduced Jimmy Neutron and the world and the characters and everything.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So that was their counter. So that was the compromise thing. And it just got bigger and bigger. <laughs> so, So, yeah, so we did all these shorts while we were in production on the feature that the shorts would start to sprinkle across programming on Nickelodeon to build awareness, you know, with kids, uh, building up to the release of the f- of the feature film. So cool. And then on the he- heels of the feature film, the series would start airing. Wow. So, yeah, it was just like this instant big franchise. Just right place, right time with the right property. <laughs> That's incredible.
1: I got to ask you this too, because you are in a unique position in that you have worked on a feature animated film as well as a series. Was this something where you had a bunch of different ways of working on the movie and then when we got to series, it was completely different or was it sort of the same kind of pipeline and everything?
0: No, very different. We actually had to completely change our pipeline. We kept all the assets. Uh, obviously, that was the whole Good, point. smart. Yeah, keep yeah. <laughs> all the assets. But on the feature film, mm-hmm. it was sort of insane. We we went from the time I started writing the first draft of the script until we delivered the film was 24 months. Wow. And, and during those 24 months, we had to grow our company from 16 people to 150 people. <laughs> so we wow. had to move, build a facility. Uh, we yeah. were literally building the car while we were racing around the track, yeah. you know, <laughs> trying to get to the finish Hanging line. Hanging on the outside and working on it yeah. and fixing it and yeah. being like,
1: we need a wheel. We need a... That's crazy. It
0: was It was nuts. It was such a nutty time. Uh, it was, it, but it was funny because uh, Keith and I would talk to each other and look at each other and say, "You know what? We're either going to be heroes or we're going to fail utterly." You know, <laughs> but but we're if this is our chance, and if we don't try, we'll never know. You know,
1: James Isaac Neutron, <laughs> I see you up there. How many times have we told you not to launch yourself off the roof? Probably nine. Exactly nine. They say repetition is good for a developing brain. Then just what do you think you're doing? Well, last night I received a message from outer space, but it was garbled in the ionosphere. So, Mom, I had to launch a communications toaster. uh, I mean, satellite. Well, message from space. Wow. Don't encourage him, Hugh. I love Jimmy's parents. They're hilarious. They're fantastic. Are they sort of spoofs on classic kind of sitcom parents that we all kind of grew up with? Is that where the idea for yeah, those? Yeah, for their, exactly. Yeah.
0: There's you know a little bit of that, a little bit of, of my own uh, you know household. Uh, it's funny because it's almost stereotypical now, like it's the, yeah. it's the dopey dad. Yeah. But, but seriously, most dads I know are kind of dopey. Yeah. <laughs> so I, just, I don't feel like it's that much of a stretch. It's
1: true. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Where did Sheen's obsession from? with Ultra Lord come from?
0: So Sheen is sort of a composite of a couple things. You know, there's, <laughs> a lot of me is in Jimmy, because I'm, I'm a huge science guy. Clearly, I, I, yeah, obviously. Um, uh, I'm not a genius, so that's why I had to create a fictional character, <laughs> but, uh, but I love science. Uh, but Sheen came, comes from my, um, I, I love to collect things. I'm a big collector. So yeah. I've got collections of all kinds of Japanese, vintage toys. I collect art. I collect all kinds of stuff, cool. and of course, uh, uh, you know, it's all about the condition and, yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, and, and never been seen condition. Uh, so Sheen came grew out of my fanboy uh, absolutely, uh, you know, component. It's partly that, and partly um, there was a, a guy that used to work for us uh, who was uh, he was a Japanese kid named uh, Harashin, Sheen, and mm-hmm. everybody called him Sheen. Oh,
1: great! And I thought,
0: Sheen, that's a cool name. Yeah. And originally, the character uh, was going to be uh, uh, Japanese, but uh, we were having a hard time finding the right Sheen character Mm -hmm. and then we came up with uh, then Jeff Garcia came and auditioned who's Hispanic so we just changed him to Hispanic but (laughs) kept the name Sheen. (laughs) And I love it and I love the joke in his name that Sheen Estevez
1: it comes from the Estevez Sheen family, uh, the, the right. actors in Hollywood, which is so funny. That, right, that, uh, and that, that, that came
0: later. That came later, yeah, yeah, that's great, yeah.
1: that's so great. Um, Yeah, and talk about a great character moment. When we are first introduced to Sheen, he is tricked into opening up one of his action figures and then it ruins the mint condition. Right. And me, as a fanboy, I felt that I went, oh, oh no, poor guy, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, right, it's that right. moment, it's yeah, great. Yeah. John, what are you obsessed with right now? What are you collecting right now?
0: My big thing right now is artwork. I, I mm-hmm. collect a lot of vintage uh, science fiction uh, covers uh, uh, from cool. the mainly from the fifties, some go back to the thirties. um You know, covers from uh, If Magazine, Galaxy. That's great. Uh, amazing stories, things like that. Several years ago, I've kind of made the quest of going back to the golden uh, era authors and reading books that sort of eluded me at the time, or yeah. authors I missed. Yeah, and, God, there's stuff so that's much, out
1: of print and everything. Yeah, right, there's absolutely. so much
0: good stuff. Totally. And, uh, it's kind of frustrating because you, you want to see these stories reach the light of day, like on film. I'd I like, know. Boy, does it make a great film. I know. Uh, but it's an uphill battle, you know. Mm-hmm. A lot of times because you know the studios they want something that's more current that the kids are reading now and yes. so forth, and and uh, so I, it's still my hope is to take some of these stories uh, that I think were just. Fantastic and adapt them uh, to, for today's audience. And a lot
1: of them work so well. I feel like animation is like the only medium that can that can translate some of those fantastical science fiction stories. It's so right, cool. Right, right. Yeah.
0: yeah, I mean, with effects now and animation, CG, yeah. you, you can pretty much do anything. I mean, mm-hmm. look at what you can do on, on TV budgets now. I know. It's uh, crazy. <laughs> it's, yeah, <laughs> it's, re- it's exciting. Hey,
1: guys. Why is today like no other day, huh? You ask? Because mm-hmm. I brought a new Ultra Lord action figure. You bring one of those every day, Ultra Loser. Well, well, Miss Maiden of Wrongness. Evidently, you are not aware that this is the Ultra Lord Action Figure number 3 with Factory Gender Error. (laughs) Should I wear this dress to the prom? Did you have a lot of fan reaction when you guys were in the bunker, you know, working on the show?
0: When we were working on the movie, of course, no one knew about it, other than yeah. the shorts that were appearing on the on Nickelodeon. Right. And so we we felt like we were just working in secret, you know, and yeah. then suddenly it was everywhere. Of course, by the time the series came out, you know, the film had been out, it had been nominated for, you know, an Oscar and blah, blah, blah. It's blah,
1: amazing, blah. I yeah. know.
0: <laughs> so there's a lot of awareness to it. And uh, what was interesting is that the fans... Uh, And I still encounter, you know, fans. Uh, You know, what's fun now is the fans, a lot of them are adults. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, there's certain moments in your life you can point to and go, ah, my mission is done. Yeah. So there was a time where uh, my wife, uh, Kim, and I went to uh, see the last shuttle launch. Uh, And uh, we were invited, and we got to sit in the little VIP area and all this stuff. And they had a photo op uh, the night before where they bust us off to the, the launch pad, uh, there's a shuttle there. It's, it's amazing. Wow! And uh, but these two young guys uh, from NASA came up to me and said, "You created Jimmy Neutron, right?" <laughs> and I go, "Yeah." And they go, "You're the reason we went to work for NASA." No way, <laughs> John. No way. Yeah. That's crazy. And I go, and they're right next to the shuttle. You know, yeah. right by the launch pad. They're telling me this, and I go. I'm done. My mission is complete.
1: Mission accomplished. Wow, that's incredible. You know, you are obviously a a, a huge fan and very passionate about science. You are an astrophotographer? Mm Mm-hmm. What is is an astrophotographer, in case people don't know?
0: Right, right. So uh, all that means is I take pictures of space objects. (laughs) Uh, You take a camera, hook it up to a telescope. So you're using the telescope as a camera lens, basically. Yeah. And uh, you're tracking the night sky perfectly, you have to track it perfectly, because the earth is always spinning and the sky is moving, Uh, and do long exposures on things like nebulas and galaxies and star clusters stuff like that
1: that's incredible uh,
0: and and so I started building robotic observatories and my wife used to make fun of me saying you're turning into Jimmy Neutron <laughs> yeah? I'll be... I feel like I'm
1: talking to Jimmy <laughs> Neutron
0: right now that's incredible
1: <laughs> you, you're building robotic observatories is this something that you set up and then set to take a bunch of pictures and then you just leave yeah, and you come it back it sounds and... really cool
0: but really yeah. <laughs> all it is is a shed in the middle of a, of, of a prairie a really uh, cool shed uh, in the with middle the home of a home security system yeah. Yeah. that's great
1: yeah. wow well I mean some of the most profound Found and beautiful and moving images I've ever seen have just been of space. Those, inc- you know what I mean? Those incredible. Yeah. Makes you feel about this big. It's so great. It's well, I so used great. to go to star
0: parties a lot, where you you'd go and camp out for a week, cool. and there'd be about four or five hundred people, and you'd be in the middle of nowhere because they have these star parties in the, the darkest areas of the country. Wow. And when you go someplace that's incredibly dark. Uh, you see things that, that you normally never see. Uh, you let your eyes dark adapt for about 20 minutes, and you can actually—I've seen when the weather's right, and uh-huh. it's low humidity and really clear, the, the summer Milky Way rises, and it'll cast a shadow on the ground. Wow. You know, starlight will cast a shadow. No you can, way. Yeah, you can sit there and move your hand and see the shadow on the ground, and it's starlight. Yeah. Wow. So you see things like the gegenschein and, and the zodiacal lights and all the stuff I'd never heard of. And you go, wow, what's that? And somebody will explain it. <laughs> and you start to really understand your place in things. Yes. You know, it's like I used to dream about being an astronaut and going into space. Oh, yeah. You know, like Jimmy, build a rocket and go to space. That's yeah. so awesome. been addicted to it. But then you realize I'm in space. You know, yeah. you're, when you go to someplace that dark and you're underneath the stars, you go, We're moving through this on Spaceship Earth, you know. Spaceship Earth, exactly. We're all crew members. Right, exactly. Spaceship Earth. That is so
1: cool. (laughs) The Jimmy Timmy Power Hour. Mm -hmm. Jimmy Neutron crossing over with Timmy Turner from The Fairly Odd Parents. How did this come about?
0: Good question. Yeah. (laughs) By that time, I was uh, the first season on Neutron. I was really, really involved trying to Mm -hmm. get his legs and figure out where it was going. Mm -hmm. By the time they started doing the Jimmy Timmy, I'd already moved into... Focusing on Ant Bully, the next oh, thing, wow, trying great. to get the next thing going. So the, I think we did like two different specials, two three different, di- teams, I think three, but spe- yeah, three of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't know how it got started, <laughs> uh, but it was an interesting process to figure out how to hand off who's going to do what. I love know? that, yeah.
1: absolutely. What were the initial sort of meetings about Ant Bully like?
0: Well, it was funny because I was developing some other things right after Neutron and, and working on the series, mm-hmm. uh, and then I just got a call out of the blue at DNA. The reception said, oh, "Hey, John, I got Tom Hanks." on the phone for you <laughs> right. oh okay He'll put him through <laughs> so, uh so hey just called me and said yeah he goes, hey John I love Jimmy Neutron I love that uh and he said yeah I got this book called the ant bully and I'd love to send it to you um to see if you had an idea about turning it into a movie yeah and I said sure Great. You know, send away yeah. so you know my initial thought was oh no ants again You're yeah, right yeah been, like two <laughs> other ant movies that are CG and why does it have to be ants and so for a while yeah. I thought can we tell the story with bees? I know later, yeah. this was before the bee movies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, can we tell it with another ant? No, well, ants makes the most sense, Sure. The story. And then I thought, it's a different story. Yeah. And I really looked at it and approached it like The Incredible Shrinking Man more yeah. than, you know, Bugs Life or, or Ants. Uh, and I thought, okay, well, I think it's viable. And I that's kind of what I pitched to Tom. I said, the way I'd approach it is that I think it's cool to me is the idea that there's an alien civilization that lives in your backyard underground. It's a complete world that you know (laughs) nothing about. And so then the story is this boy's journey into that world to learn those lessons, you know, uh, yeah. tell a little moral tale, and, and the kind of great fun you can have with animation and dealing with scale.
1: Here's the other thing that I think is really interesting. While you're working on the movie, apparently you had to call exterminators for your house. I mean, is that, oh. is
0: that accurate? <laughs> is that true? You
1: had to call exterminators to get the ants out of your house? Yeah, you're being yeah, invaded? yeah, I felt like such a hypocrite. Yeah, question for you, John. How did you sleep at night? Come on. Yeah, this well, is, better yeah. once the ants were gone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How about we break luminous compounds down into their base elements? I'm not sure what you just said, so I'm going to assume it's boring. Look, let's compromise. Why don't we use my new portal to go up to Rigus 5? Yeah? Find us some jelly people. I like where this is going. Then take scrapings from their flagella and bring them back for analysis. Uh, you had yeah, me and you lost
0: me. What was it like
1: to see Sheen get his own show?
0: Well, you know, I I love the the character Sheen. Yeah, you uh, know, he was so much fun to write for, so much fun to work with, and that was a, a series that came out at the time. My partner Keith Alcorn and uh, Mike Gasway came up with this project called Red Acres, which mm-hmm. is, essentially became Planet Sheen. So instead of using the main character in Red Acres, they were going to use Sheen, and yeah. then have it be a spinoff for Neutron. Uh, so that's kind of how it started. And then uh, personally, I thought that he worked better uh, in the Jimmy. Carl triumvirant. The three of them the together. Trium- yeah. Exactly. Sure. Because he's such a he's so much fun but you need him in small doses. Right. And, it, and so, uh, and I think that's where the show was heading, you know, but it, it, you know, I think it just went like one season and there was like production problems. But I think that um, yeah, it's too bad that it, it, it had to end early because I think that it would have gotten there eventually. It would have gotten there, It yeah. was a much different show. It was very wacky. Absolutely. Very, very zany. Absolutely. Uh,
1: just like Sheen. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I, I tend to um, gravitate more towards uh, storytelling rather than the wacky, zany stuff. Mm-hmm. Not to say that you can't do both. And that was always my mantra, was that, you know, hey, let's be as funny as we can, tell as many jokes, be zany, but it needs to be about something. Absolutely. You know, it needs to have a story point. Mm -hmm. You know, the things that I remember growing up uh, are are shows like, you know, Leave it to Beaver, the Dick Van Dyke show, all these shows. Yeah. And they had, like... There were little morality tales. Which yeah. is why I love the Twilight Zone. They're all morality tales. Yes. And they're still entertaining today because they never go stale. You know, the human condition is still fighting the same demons Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. It's never gonna go away. So to do that in a in a program, you don't have to beat people in the head or like lesson, lesson, lesson. But have some have it be about something, you know. Mm-hmm. And then be as funny and, and wacky as you want to be. What you gonna do? Change it
1: you John, is there a dream project that you haven't been able to work on yet that you'd someday like to tackle?
0: Yeah, for me, I, I, there's a lot of dream projects. There's there's things that I create uh, that uh, I, I become enamored with and want to see. It's usually a, a struggle. Uh, and, and a goal of mine to come up with something that's fresh, you know, coming, and that's—it's not just my—I mean, everybody that I know that's creative has that same dream to do. Yeah. Uh, the trick is to do it in a way that's also commercial, you know, uh, and it's harder and harder to to do that <laughs> because in the world of reboots and remakes and everything, yep, uh, it's all risk management, and yeah. <laughs> uh, there's, there's nothing riskier than a new idea. I adapted a Robert Heinlein novel called *The Star Beast*, one of his juvenile novels. Cool. Uh, uh, years ago for Warner Brothers. It was going to be a live act with animation. Yeah. Um but it's tricky because from a commercial standpoint, the problem is, is that uh it's not a book kids are reading today. I know. You know? I and know. so then it becomes like, well, you know, it's a harder sell.
1: If you could give yourself advice when you were first starting out in this industry, what would it be?
0: I would say uh If you're going to go into the business, make sure that you're, I mean, you have to be really passionate about it. Mm -hmm. You don't just casually go into it. (laughs) You know, I've had some young kids say, oh... Uh well, how much does it pay? You know, it's yeah. so, like wrong question. Yeah. <laughs> if you're asking that at that stage, wrong. It's a, it's a legitimate question. <laughs> sure, But sure. the wrong question if you're going to go into How young something are these like kids
1: film. that are asking that? That's so like. Oh, they'll be
0: like, you know, 12, 13, you come know. Get uh, out of yeah, here. Yeah. You're like,
1: oh, I got to plan my retirement. Well, get yeah, out of here. They're, yeah. Yeah, they're
0: smart. I mean, they're smart <laughs> kids. But, but, uh, but if you're going to get into a, a creative uh, vocation like this, I yeah. mean, you really have to be passionate about it because. You know, it's an ass whooping uh, (laughs) for for a a large part of it. And uh, you're never going to get to the finish line unless you are just tenacious and and, uh, you have to have that fire in your belly or you're you're not going to make it. Uh, Unfortunately, I mean, you really got to figure it out pretty early because it's a young person's industry that's great that's great advice John I think I think that there's no better advice than this industry
1: is an ass whooping because the guys in the booth were all nodding their head like yup yeah totally yeah they all felt that thank you so much John this is fantastic this is really great Well, I hope that you guys enjoyed spacing out with Mr. John A. Davis as much as I sure did. <laughs> get it? Spacing? Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast, guys, wherever you get your podcast from, and leave a review if you'd like. Here's the important thing, too. I'm going to give you a little insider tip. Go ahead and go visit nickanimationpodcast.com for even more behind-the-scenes material, including a picture of John and I from today's record and some behind-the-scenes material from Jimmy Neutron Boy Genius. Thanks to the awesome crew who puts this podcast together this podcast is produced by Jonathan Highlander Dana vasquez eberhardt Kelly Smith Andrew Hubner. Original music by Useful Creatures All of the incredible social media for our podcast is made by Narbe Manassians Sammy Armager And thanks to the man who works at Controls And makes me sound better than I have a right to Manny Grava Until next time, thanks for listening to the Nickelodeon Animation Podcast And keep watching cartoons